This show is part of the Darkmore Podcast Network. To join our community Discord or see more content from our members, visit darkmorepodcasts.com. My name is Steven, and I play Ulrich Orman, a gnome ranger, hexblade warlock, and chief arrow of the Warden Scout in Nui Satalis. And this is Advantage. I'm starting the recordings. Me too. Recording. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does yep. indeed work. I just tested it. It's like One, ASMR. two, three. Ooh. I clap Pop. with someone. That makes me nervous. That's <laughs> nah, fine. You want to do it again? Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. That felt better. Okay. You've journeyed quickly from the Springwood, half jogging back to the Azure Keep. Uh, remind the audience why you're hurrying so quickly. Why are you so full of manic energy right now? Because we opened the puzzle box. You, since you were born, Alaris, you've been in possession of a puzzle box bequeathed to you from your late father. And throughout your life and throughout Alaris's documented journeys in this podcast, uh, you've been trying to open this dang thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just hours ago now that you succeeded in that goal. And uh, with your family signet ring in place, you unscrambled the eight-letter combination lock. C-O-R-E-L-L-O-N. You're exhausted as the tall spires of the Temple to Coralon come into view, lit up against the midnight sky. They point upward as intended, drawing your gaze to the astral sea. The thousands of dominions that litter the sky as stars are wondrous. In your hand is a small platinum device that reminds you of a telescope, with an eyepiece on one end and a screw thread on the other. In your other hand is a silk cloth, corallinian blue with a silvery pearlescence. In its center is a constellation, the Celadrin Bow. You all remember Alaris' father's study and how he had hidden a way to unlock his desk behind conjuration magics by positioning his office telescope at a constellation called the Hidden Key and placing a handkerchief uh, embroidered with a picture of a key on the ground beneath the viewfinder, you were able to summon a spare key into the room. Now, appearing from behind the Temple to Coralon is a second great tower, the Astronomy Tower. You see the shadows of the Weaver's School's observatory silhouetted against Sehanin's moon. Esere Geldrim, Alaris' badass cousin, earning her doctorate in transmutation, speaks up giddily. Inchil and I have... We're going to be a part of everything that happens, right? Whatever happens. Family bonding and all that. Making up for lost time. Right. Uh, repairing severed relationships. Good, good, good. You know, we're cousins that we never knew we had. And, right, you know, we got uh, yeah, we got to do this whole thing together, obviously. We're, we're doing this whole thing together. Okay, just making sure. Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to stop by Dr. Tane Shelton Matthews' apartment uh, before we go up to that thing. She's going to love this shit. I'll meet you there. Uh, swear you won't do anything without sure, me? Sure, we'll wait. Should we go get an XP for this? <laughs> next XP will feel left out if we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, whatever. The more the merrier. Uh, mom? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't like. I guess. Like, how many people. We don't even know what's going to happen. I mean, we can like, ask. What if, what if something. What if it's. You know, what if it's dangerous? We can ask, like, hey, do you want to potentially meet a deity? We don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> but we thought you might want to be there. Maylan says, your dad's not going to hide a demon behind this oh, thing. Oh, no, I don't think it would be, like, a demon or something. Or maybe he did. What do you mean by dangerous? Who knows? Come on. <laughs> We're not summoning a Tarask. You think that he's summoning, summoning the Tarask? You think that that's what... Maybe not the Tarask, but, like... The mini Tarask? <laughs> Tarask Jr.? <laughs> Son of Tarask? Yeah. Maybe. Everyone I mean, knows about Trask Jr. Yeah. They call him TJ. He was even uh, nastier than the main Trask. Mm. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying there's a non-zero chance.
Jump cut to you all opening the doors to one of the academic halls on your way to the astronomy tower. Uh, you walk down the corridor, Alaris, and pass the office of the evocation chair who you'd met with, um, Dr. Garrick Zafir, the fire, question mark, Ganassi, that you'd shared your father's genogram with. Uh, his light is on. Do you knock? Yeah, sure, why not? Kick open the door. At this point, we're inviting everybody, it seems like. The so. more sure. witnesses, the better. Mr. Galdrim, it's, it's past midnight. What an unexpected surprise. Yeah. What can I help you uh, with? We've made a giant discovery. Maybe. What kind of discovery, dear boy? Tell me. Um, well, uh, my father left me this puzzle box. Yes. And I just got it opened. Um, and it has this inside. Do you recognize it? I've never seen that thing in my life. Where are you headed with that? The top of the tower? The, te the, the telescope? The astronomy tower? <laughs> so you figured out a clue of your father's, eh? Yep. Well, I'm delighted for you, son. Believe me, you've proven yourself to be every bit of a firebrand he was. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I've got at least 40 more essays to grade before the 8 a.m. class tomorrow, and I can't bear a moment to step away, but... Perhaps that's for the best, eh? All right, well... This moment is between you and your father. And as incredible as I'm sure whatever will happen may be, it's not my place to intrude. Well, I appreciate your candor. <laughs> Good luck, though, son. Take notes. <laughs> will do. After what must have been a thousand stairs, you open the hatch to the astronomy tower. Uh, as you pop your head out, you find yourself intruding upon a class in session. You remember now uh, your own nights spent there in a gen ed class observing the stars. Uh. Uh, the divination chair, Dr. Julian uh, Ravaguin, a uh, high elf, stops mid-sentence and looks at you. Mis Mr. Galtrim? Hello. <laughs> uh, our, our bad, we'll just wait till the class is over. No, no, please, please, come in. Class, <laughs> this man's father was who inspired me to become a diviner in the first place. Uh, to what do we owe the pleasure? Uh, well, I have... Science. <laughs> I, I need to use the telescope. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, take it away, bud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Will do, I guess. Um, I guess I'll go over to the telescope and see if I can figure out what, what where this thing hopefully attaches to something. And as you're fiddling with it, there's a creak at the hatch door, and out climbs an old professor of yours, uh, Alaris, Dr. Tane Shelton Matthews, who now chairs the transmutation school where you graduated from. You've never seen her in her yellow and baby blue ducky pajamas before, looking quite ridiculous next to uh, Esra <laughs> and Inchel Geldrum. She looks at you with a uh, familiar half-smile and says, I don't know why I never put it together that you and Esra were cousins. Good to see you again, friend. How's life outside class? Treating you okay? Yeah, you know, adventuring, uh, living life. Love to see it. Esri says that you've uh, got something probably real exciting to show us, huh? What is it? <laughs> well, well, hopefully we'll find out pretty soon. You know, just trying to trying to figure out where where this would attach to. Um, probably to the the main Lindsay area, I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, Dr. Ravagwen, who's still like teaching her astronomy class, says, "Yeah, so uh, can you walk us through exactly what you're doing?" Uh, yeah. So um, there's I have this uh, lens, right? Um, <clears throat> um, it's it look. I mean, look. I mean, you know more about this telescope than I do. Um, where would it, like, take a look at this. It looks, I mean, it looks to me like it would just kind of attach on the eyepiece right here. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought also. So I guess I'll, I'll just try that then. Okay. Uh, you take the massive observatory telescope's viewfinder in your hands, and, like, sure enough, you find a match set of screw threads above the lens. You take your platinum piece and twist it on. Now what? Now, um... Let's look through it. I think... Yeah, Auric is definitely very, like, <laughs> along for this ride. Like, not driving the bus, but definitely, like... We gonna do something about this? Uh, well, now I think the cloth is probably gonna be the next important piece of the 
the the whole thing going on. Um, oh yeah. Whenever we did something similar in my dad's study with the conjuration magic there, I'm trying to remember exactly what we did. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I will put the cloth on the ground next to the telescope. Then, right, um, and then we will. I will look through the telescope and try to find um, so the Celadrimbo constellation. Do I know where that is? I assume. Um, yeah, you're familiar enough with the Celadrimbo to be able to locate the constellation without an issue. Sure. I was wondering. Um, yeah, I guess I was. I, I guess it would depend on what grade I got in the, the class that this person is teaching. <laughs> it, it's like being able to look up for, for us uh, in real life, just being able to look up and pick out Orion's belt. Like it's- oh, okay, it's one, it's like, it's like a it's noticeable- Yeah, it's, it's one of yeah. the big sure, ones. Yeah, sure. It's like the, like Polaris, the North Star or whatever. It's like, I know right, exactly right. where that is. <laughs> the North, I, know, I know which direction the North Star is in. <laughs> so you're familiar enough to be able to locate the constellation without issue. And like most of the dominions of the high gods, it's a pretty prominent feature in the night sky. Uh, looking through the telescope, you can see the different astral realms within the constellation. And you remember the stories of each twinkling star as uh, you kind of wade through this archipelago of half a dozen sylvan exarchs. Tail Ferris. Uh, Sehanin's house of moon and stars um, twinkling with a sort of knowing. There's Arborea, the dominion of uninterrupted wilderness stretching endlessly, created by Melora but left unoccupied. Arayushni, Lolth's realm of humor and sly cunning, careful planning, and prank. It was abandoned when she broke from the gods and left for the abyss. Now it is called the Cobwebs. And finally, at its center, Arvindor, Corlon's green city of beauty and the arcane, home of Nath Celadre, the Celadrin court, and the sea of the Sylvan church. Well, uh, Arvindor is probably the, the, the place to, to go, you know? So. so you step back, light from the constellation pours through the telescope and is laser focused down through the lenses to create a beam that goes down to the cloth in the middle of the floor beneath the viewfinder. Uh, the constellation in the middle twinkles, then begins to tremble and spark like an arc flash. The whole fabric radiates conjuration magic. There's a shuddering, like the sound of a firecracker fuse, followed by a great inhale of sound. <gasps> the electrical art dances around the cloth and disappears, leaving behind a pool of what might be water? Wait. I would like to look into the pool of water, just like look down at it. The hem of the azure cut laps at its boundaries like a pond on a windy afternoon. It is strikingly blue, like an abyssally deep pool. I would like to take out some rope. Um, <laughs> we definitely have some. Um, and I'm just gonna like lower just the end of the rope down a bit to see how like deep in I can lower this into this clearly magical pool. So it is literally an abyss? It doesn't just no, look like No, 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 like sorry, one? yeah. I guess abyss is a, uh, a loaded term in D&D. It is visually abyssally deep. As you lower this rope in, you could probably step into it. It's not a puddle on the ground, it's deeper than that. It's hashtag deep. This is what yeah. I was attempting to right. test. I, I pulled yes. my rope back out and put it back in my pack. I'm gonna lean down and touch the water. Uh, it tingles. Um, it's definitely arcane. And I think Dr. Shelton Matthews in her Dr. Geek pajamas uh, leans down and touches it with you. Never seen a portal like this before. Portal? It's 
clearly some kind of circle based on plane shift, but a gate summoned like this is unheard of, at least to me. I'll have to ask my colleagues at the Conjuration School to look at its signatures. Do we just leave it here in the middle of class? Huh? Uh, I guess I should probably go through it. I'm gonna stand in the pool. You wade in, bravely placing your foot onto the watery fabric. It ripples as your foot goes into the nothingness, and slowly you find yourself treading water. Whoa. Dr. Ravaguin, at this point, is like shaking her head. I've been here long enough to know that this is this telescope has never been used for this purpose before. Like in this in an academy like this, trials get attention. I don't think whatever in the nine hells this is has ever had a, a maiden voyage. I think this is it. Catherine Geldrim is beaming with pride. She says, I'm so happy for you, my son. I don't know where this is going, but I know that your father meant you to see it through. She looks suspiciously at the professors and students gathered in the room. She says, This is your journey, Alaris, which is why we will let you experience this alone with your friends. Everybody give me insight rolls. That's, I think that's a 12. Uh, that is a 22. 13. It is a 12. 23. Morlande and Alaris, you can both tell that the academics in this room really want a piece of whatever is about to happen and are disappointed that Mama Geldrim is calling them to wait. Unknown associates of Grim Tim's steady hand? You guys want to come with into this portal? Are we all going to go in? I was I was about to throw you a rope so you could tie yourself to it and then stick your head in and see what happens. Okay, but like when I suggest that, it's like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm immensely curious. I'm ready to go. You're like chest deep in water right now, basically, or and like, and you're not touching the bottom. Like you're swimming, like treading water. I mean, I'll go, but I'm not gonna like it. If you don't, you don't have to go. If you don't want to, it's okay. You can hold the rope. Ulrich takes a, a deep breath, notices their sea glass for just a moment, like, and then treads on out there to be with Alaris, but does not put their head underwater yet. Grimton just kind of steps in and lets his body weight do the rest. Yeah, Moreland Day also steps in, but does, like, I, I also don't put my head below the water just yet, because that's, like, a lot. It's brisk, and you feel the surge of a cold shock as your organs awake. Uh, it feels like life, like, like energy, like you've just jumped into a lake skinny dipping as a teen. Which is really juxtaposed by the fact that all of you now tread water in a magic portal on the floor of the Weaver School under a telescope surrounded by academics. Yeah. Maylin is there with you and says, uh, okay, now what? How do these things normally go? Uh. Poorly. <laughs> we have to swim. I guess we should just well, dive in. Whatever's going to happen is probably less dangerous than what we went through yesterday. So I'm just going to go for it. Let's go. Wait, wait, let's do this together. Let's count it down. Yeah. We'll do three, two, one, and then after one, like three, two, one, yeah. go. On yeah, go, three, two, all, one, and then we'll clap, under. and then we'll. <laughs> 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 Sounds good. Have y'all right, ever wait? Have y'all ever teleported before? I've never teleported before. No. I, I don't. Have we ever, no. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Well, well no. no. Takas, didn't Takas do yeah, that to, it, to like take a, us through like a portal? Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so we have, we have, we have uh, gone through an Einstein Rosen bridge through. I mean, how <laughs> do we even space. know this is gonna teleport us anywhere? We don't. It's a portal, says Doctor Shelton Matthews. We won't know what will happen until we try. Here we go. Three, two, one. Man, that's gonna be a really great spot to put the credits. <laughs> <laughs> what a good mid-roll point. Hey, friends, it's Joe. So glad you're here with us for 2.48. Uh, allow me to prime you for the second half of this episode. It's not a secret that the Unknown Associates are about to enter a portal and come up somewhere very different than the cusp. So pay attention what those differences are. There's a shift in cultural disposition and expectations and vibrancy and energy in planar metaphysics, and I think most interestingly, a shift in the scale of conflict. Last episode, we gave a special thank you to Mark Williams, who's our newest Patreon supporter. 
Um, he's been chewing through the backlogs, and within the past few weeks since our publishing, uh, Mark has literally doubled his pledge tier. It's stunning, honestly. We've been around for a bit, but are still a small show, and a surprise like that helps us tremendously. Thank you, Mark. If you want to get in touch with us, our handle for all social media is at AdvantageDND. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, everything. Thanks to all the people who have recently left reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use. Um, if you need a link to the Darkmore Podcast Network's Discord channel, you can find it down in the doobly-doo. You can easily discover Advantage in all our member shows, uh, like the Admi- Misadventures, Fun But Why, How Friends Roll, Playing Out of Character, and DM Shower Thoughts, all of whom are wonderful companions of ours. I'm Izteth, an elven ranger who's great in a fight, but less so in a conversation. I'm Delilah, exiled princess and warlock to a frosty air. I'm Samuel, humble human cleric, searching for answers. I'm Gashburz, tiefling barbarian, raised by orcs and ready to rumble. The glorious saviors of Albion, the Cloudwalkers, the Misadventurers. A 5e folklore mystery tour. Find us wherever you can get your podcasts and join in the misadventure. Part of the Darkmoor Podcast Network. Alright, let's get back to the show. Thank you. You dunk your head beneath the water and instinctively close your eyes. When you come up, a beautiful, soft, warm gold of a twilight sky lights an entirely new world. Your heart is stricken with the feeling of summer night as a teenager, alive with potential. You find your feet able to stand and raise out of a reflecting pool in a lush, wide garden. In front of you is a large palace of glass and tanned stone with sweeping arches, which Alaris, you can guess, is Nath Celadre, Corallon Celadrin Court. You turn to naturally investigate the roar of water behind you, now seeing that you are atop of a high waterfall. Below you is a pool of deep turquoise, stunningly clear. A giant elk with a golden fleece and silver antlers sips a drink from the abyss. You see lights from buildings nestled into the forest surrounding it, and occasional roofs and windows mixed among the trees. In the distance is a sea of stars, breaking waves against a wharf. You can tell which are Arvindorn ships moored at the dock. They're leafier and nimbler looking than the other ship docked there, with outriggers and masts of lanteen sails pointed in every direction. Wow. Arvidorian. So, as in, like, astral plane. Yes. As in, like, where Corallon lives? Like, yes. Ulrich would like to turn to Alaris and say, this isn't really my, you know, area of expertise or anything, but... Uh, Maylin says, or your physical area of experience, so... Did Maylin come with us? Yeah. I'm oh, here too. I thought, I, um, oh, okay. Sorry, Mel. I just, I once I went under, I just, I just kind of wasn't thinking. You said um, unknown associates get to go. <laughs> Am I not an unknown associate? I'm Alaris's girlfriend. I was not trying to exclude you. You are absolutely welcome here. I was, I was just unobservant. You're as much a twag as any of us. <laughs> you, you sure. realize, you realize that next piece still, <laughs> still back up. Oh no! Nexby. No, we thought we brought Nexby. The astral keep. You invited Nexby to the Weaver's School, but Nexby did not get into the water. I mean, with that's you. fine. She can do as she wishes. Yeah. That was a choice that Nexby made. Yes. <laughs> that's their decision. You hear some laughing and giggling behind you, and you look again to see some high elves with large fey ears smiling and sharing bread and cheeses in a palace garden. They're everywhere, you see. And it's not like they planned to come here tonight, but it's as if they ended up here nonetheless. Each of them seem to gather in their small little communities, glasses of wine in their hands and smiles on all their faces. It looks like a feast, like it feels spontaneous, alive. Like mystery and wonder, you see a thruple of elves kissing discreetly in a corner. 
It's electric. It feels like love. The energies make you shake with excitement and mystery, like a conversation that turned out way deeper than you anticipated and it's going somewhere really fascinating. Like you're just vibing with friends, nodding along and seeing and understanding everything that they're saying. Just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And a pair of them has sat down with their feet in the water of the reflection pool and you realize that your cohort could very well pass as just friends who were inspired to wade into the middle of the water. This is not what I normally know, but uh, are we like on a star right now? Uh, Very far from the cusp? Not on a star, technically, but like... It's probably more that the collection of stars creates this place more than we are on a star in particular. So we're not close to home right now, though. Like, we're very far away. Yeah. Cool. Why are we here? Because <laughs> Alaris' dad wanted us to be here. Well, wanted you to be here. Essentially, most people, when they die, most average people, when they die, they get claimed by the Raven Queen and go to the Raven Queen's Dominion. Mm-hmm. And that's where their soul then lasts for eternity. Mm-hmm. But in some cases... A particular soul could be claimed by a different god to go to a different place. Yes. And live out their remaining um, eternity in that particular place. Without the protection of last rites, the spirit is still naturally drawn toward Laterna. Mm-hmm. But ghosts and spirits and what have you literally will wander about mindlessly until they get there. Right. And if they get there. Wander where? The cusp. And we know that the High Elves of the Springwood are, like, in a way, chosen of Corallon. In a way. They've got a history with Corallon. Yeah. Yeah. So, one to another, you you could potentially see a world where someone like my father could be here. Like, their soul could be here. Midland says it. Yeah, I'm tracking. So... So where do we go? I guess... From here. We could ask someone or something... Uh, well, I guess, uh, at the very least, we can meet some Coraline peeps, you know? Well, let's just see what happens. Let's just go and explore, you know? And you say that, turning again to Nath Celadre, and you notice that your body feels lighter, breezier, uh, as if you've been freed from a prison that you didn't know that you had. Uh, give me Arcana checks, all of you. Oof. Uh, nine. Uh, 19. Uh, 14. That's a two? Alaris, it makes sense to you that like the elemental chaos is all material and reaction without forethought, you remember that the astral plane is entirely idea with no physical substance to it. So while you're experiencing this world as if you have a body, the hand that you're currently waving in front of your face like a dumbass is entirely illusion. So we don't have physical forms here, just so you... So where is our physical form? Hold up. Wait a second. Because, like, I'm here and you're right there. So so, yeah. so where is the physical I form? I don't know the answer to that. This is my first time doing this. <laughs> are we... Are our bodies just, like, lifelessly floating in a pond in a watch? In the, yeah, are we, like, in the <laughs> Avatar in the stage? Observatory? <laughs> no. The, the cutscene that I'm imagining is... Not us, like, in the Avatar state, like, when Aang, like, gets sucked down into the water. No, we're, like, we're, like, face yeah. down, yeah, like, we just floating. drowned floating in the <laughs> in, in the, the pool. professors are just no, standing I around. It's like, no, 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 this is what's supposed to happen. I think we're, like, <laughs> right? Right? we're, like, acting out everything that's going on. But, you know, like, in, like, when somebody is dreaming, and so it's just, like, moving and, like, random sounds but not actually like verbalizing everything but underwater let's not forget oh yeah lots of splashing i guess there's not really any point in just standing around here let's let's go explore some buildings see if we can meet somebody or something i guess are those even real uh well i mean i think it's all real it's just not physical oh, spirits alaris your your freshman cousin inchel is uh with you as you promised mm. yep and to, he says, uh, so just be perfectly explicit and pretend like you're not talking to somebody who, with uh, huge knowledge of the arcane and the astral sea and stuff. Where are we? Uh, I guess base level, I pointed the telescope, right? You were there. 
mm-hmm. uh, at yeah. a constellation, and we are now in that constellation. Huh. I wonder if that works exclusively with the constellation you picked, Alaris. Um, now I don't know. Like set it that way. Well, could we in I, theory pick another place in the astral dominion and use your father's findings to go to it? Uh, if so, this that was that's a very very powerful magical item. <laughs> You see Maylen shaking her head uh, and then turn to you, Alaris, and her eyes are just so full of amazement. But also, does it work exclusively with a telescope of that magnitude, or could we use any telescope? I think it looks like it was built specifically for that telescope. Hey, Ulrich, what was that thing that the centaurs said about Alaris? That Alaris has uh, destiny in his blood, yes. Think this is what they were talking about? Um, I don't think it's not <laughs> what they were talking about. <laughs> Destiny is a broad idea that this could very well be it. So, like, worst case scenario, you have a way to get to Arvindor just in your back pocket. Best case scenario, you can yeet around the Astral Dominion, like, on a whim. Gribton, you uh, look out to the dock where the astral ships are moored. Mm. Uh, Give me a religion check. Hey, that's good. That's going to be a 19. You think that that other ship that's moored there alongside the Arvindorian ones, it might be celestial. Like from Celestia, where Kord, Moradin, and Bahamut reside. Cool. Hey, regardless of whether we can just teleport there on a whim... If you look over there, there's definitely modes of transportation between the astral bodies. That ship over there looks like it's from Celestia. That's true. So I guess then the point is not how do we get to other places, but how do we make sure that we're able to get back home? Yeah. Alaris, I am shooketh. You could, like, go meet your own god. That's what I'm... Yeah, that's why I'm shooketh. Yeah, we we could potentially go meet Coralon right now. So let's let's go. <laughs> You wander the gardens, passing all sorts of conversations. Folks making out, laughing, all with open containers, breads and cheese. Uh, Some are celebrating, others are in intimate groups. Some just smiling by themselves. Three friends are bouncing a whizzing spark to one another. There's even occasional beasts seen about, doves, elk, even a bear. Um, Give me insight rolls. 18. Ugh, crit fail. Me too. 22. I I know why. I'm using my DM dice. I'm not using my my player dice. You fool. I'm using the wrong set of dice. Now, both of them were purchased from where, Steven? (gasps) I bought my dice from Dark Silver Forge. I'm currently rolling with the Dark Alpha set, which is the one that has failed me. Not because it's a fault of the Dark Alpha set, but because it wasn't the appropriate situation for you. Correct. Uh, also, I just think I did, I haven't done a critual in a while and they're just out of charge. Mm. So I'm now going to grab my Cthulhu Gold dice set, the original that I have, and use that instead. It all seems pretty insular. This one does not come here to meet people, but to be with your people. This space seems to enhance whatever mood you're already in. And as you follow trails through the gardens in front of the royal palace, Nath Celadre, you expect to see more guards about. That's a royal palace after all, but you see very few. A pair of devas sit at the top of the stairs to the Celadrin court, each in their stained glass robes, but even they're laughing with one another. Nobody seems to concerned about even the idea of an interloper. Do you think they've noticed that we don't belong? Alric whispers to Alaris. I think the idea of belonging is a stranger to them, as they just exist here. I think we should just go with the flow. Alric nods their head like, yeah, 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 that seems like... (laughs) I feel like... I feel like Alric is just, like, low-key really freaking out right now. I mean, you gotta think about, like, Alric has been on a lot of places in the cusp, at least the eastern cusp, and interacted with the spirits, which with with which they are relatively familiar, but the gods yeah. are largely not something that they are familiar with at all. And so, 
it's it's not just that like they're in a cool place it's like they're in a cool place of something they didn't really understand to begin with they're not like oh we're, we're just vibing with Coraline. i know about Coraline. like they are in awe they have never seen something like this morden created the gnomes so i think that it's highly appropriate that per Ulrich's experience of this life and of the divine that Ulrich doesn't know, doesn't care that they're so close to like the origin of their their race and their creator. That's that's definitely a thing. I mean, Ulrich from from the beginning of this character has been like atheist agnostic yeah. to some degree, like acknowledgement the there was there's always been an acknowledgement of like my people's traditions and stuff like that. But it, it really wasn't even necessarily just Ulrich, like the gnomes, my particular clan, like weren't overly, you know, concerned with that kind of thing. They're just living their best life. Uh, and then of course, spending the amount of time I have in the Watch Forest, like I've gotten pretty steeped in the spirits and know what's up with them. But like <clears throat> on like in Kolgafir, them just, live in their life they've the 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 astral domain it's very very like hobbits in in lord of the rings like that's all stuff for other people they're in their world and with all their stuff it, it's a lot more of a of them just living their lives it's weird you say that and have that experience because Ark, the moment you see Coralon, you know who they are. Their divinity is immediately recognizable, at least in this form. They have long, flowing, pastel purple hair and beard. Their figure is strong but curvy. They're wearing what must be the most comfortable set of lavish, blush-colored robes off one shoulder, revealing a breast that is both heavy and youthful. Corlon sits on a blanket in the garden, surrounded by a harem of what's well, got to be good friends. There are half a dozen companions spread out with a generous amount of wine bottles and a few crystal decanters of spirits and uh, out on the glass. Uh, a deva lounges with them. You all see this. Yeah, but... Yeah, Auric is just staring. Yeah, like, what, what, like, what can you even say to, to that? Like, I, I, Moralinde doesn't even, like, Moralinde knows that gods exist, but, like, having to, like, acknowledge it so directly right now is, 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 like, a information overload, almost. The spirits, I feel like, particularly with Moralinde's journey, have always been kind of evasive. Yeah, kind of elusive. You know? A thing you have to kind of coax out and, like, here's yeah, a god, Caron's just chilling. Chilling on the lawn. Yeah. Uh... Hey, Lars. Yeah? I'm almost 100% sure that that's a god. Uh, yeah, I think that's Coralon. No, hon, yeah, that's Coralon. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I mean, Coralon. So that's pretty Coralon. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's Coralon. That's pretty... you, you, guys, you guys felt it too. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's... It's Coralon, yeah. Uh, do oh. we just keep walking? Do we go oh, God, say no. hi? Okay. I don't know if a hi is the most appropriate <laughs> thing, but like, uh, SRA is like, when else are you going to get a chance to talk to a god? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we're going to go talk to I mean, yeah, Alaris. You should go do that. <laughs> Give him like a little push. A little, yeah, a little shove. And like, Alaris is significantly taller than me, so like that was definitely like a shove on like the back of the thigh. Like uh, Alaris falls down. Uh, and falls down on like one knee. On top of Auric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My liege. Makes it look good. Um, and I want to say that <laughs> Coralon, they see that and they see you accidentally kneel and says, "Oh, come now, come, come, come. You, there's no reason for that. Come here." Join us, join us, join us, the lot of you. Uh, All right, uh, come on guys, let's, let's, let's join, let's do okay. it. Yeah, Auric, you can't, you, how do you say no <laughs> to that? So Auric definitely, definitely walks up, but makes it a point to be in the middle of, of the, the marching order here. 
Yeah, Marlon A's definitely towards the back. Grifton's very overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, he gets really cultish vibes. I'm about to just sit down, have some wine, and then not leave for like ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. But like, this is like if the if the cult leader who claimed to Loki be it's God actually, like, literally <laughs> just was actual God. Yeah. <laughs> this is like best case scenario for a cult. <laughs> like. <laughs> So the first question I have for you, friends, is how the devil did you get here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Alaris, why don't you explain? Um, shove. Um, my dad, I think, made a a, a portal to here. Fascinating. The only vessel in port is the old coral from Celestia. I knew that none of our magic was used at our teleportation circle. How cool that y'all had another way. Glad you think that's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, not worrisome. What, what did you come here for? Uh, well, we didn't know that we would be here. We just kind of went through the portal. Huh. So you came here with no agenda, but you're here nonetheless. And I'm not to toot my own horn, but I know I know that I am a god. <laughs> yeah. And I know that fact. I do. I'm like people do not escape the fact that they that especially first timers. Uh, virgins, if you will, like, I know it can be intimidating, and I know that you probably have questions. So, we might as well just do it. So, since you're here, purposefully or not, what questions do you have, my friends? Uh, uh, I can't imagine <laughs> all gods are as approachable as you. I don't know how many of them you've met. Oh, this certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Uh, do you... Do you care for a drink? Would that help? Sure. Libation? Yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Wine? Uh, I just immediately down whatever drink is is put in front of me. <laughs> well, can we actually like affect anything in the in this world? Like we're like Cor- not corporeal. Not you yeah. corporeal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You'll experience an intoxication because you're. Experiencing an intoxication. I, I, meant, I literally meant just like, can I pick up the, the drug? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, please. Okay. Why are you asking me that, child? All right. <laughs> picks up whatever substance I'm about to, to drink. Does the thing that, like, people who don't know anything about wine do uh, when we want to pretend we know something about wine, which is like swish around <laughs> and look at it and like smell it and like all that stuff? As if, as if. You know, it's like looking under the, the hood of your car when it's broken, like you're going to know anything about how to fix it. Roll the performance um, check. <laughs> God dang it. Nine. No need to pretend, just enjoy. <laughs> what kind of roll right, would you have just... to get to, to fool a god? <laughs> yeah. Ulrich takes a sip, then a hearty drink, and then like downs it. Corlon reaches for the bottle and just takes a straight pull. Like, <laughs> you're fine. I mean, I follow suit, I guess. Just grab a he, bottle. Uh, uh, yeah, Corlon hands you the same bottle that they just drank from. So, Corlon, not to, uh, I, I don't know, uh, commandeer this conversation, but... It wasn't going anywhere yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a paladin of Bahamut, and I noticed... The mm-hmm. ships from Celestia here. Are you familiar with the Platinum Dragon? Are you? Are you guys like what's what's the working relationship? God, yes. That dragon you see over there. That dragon over there says Corlon, pointing at a golden-scaled humanoid. That is an exarch from your god. Uh, their name is Vindrich. He's actually here regarding diplomatic measures. I'm trying to For soften him up. what, if you don't mind me asking? You're familiar with the Great Scuffle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot they called it that. Not intimately, but yes. I'm doing my part to aid the Pandominion. Our wizards here are able to produce rare magic items much cheaper than the cusp, but transporting those items is tremendously difficult. The arcane is by and large my dominion of power, but even I cannot cast infinitely. Transporting anything to and from another plane is highly taxing. 
you might imagine that given the history of me kicking Grumsh's ass so long ago, <laughs> uh, that it is in Sylvan Church's interest to see orcs eradicated. Uh, and to this end, insofar as ending their occupation of the Pandominion's northern reaches is concerned, the Church and the Empire are aligned. I have indicated to their excellently Maidwin Faceworn, Bishop of the Springwood, that the Godblinder, which is held at the Reliquy Tower in the Springwood, is already a powerful object, and that using the woods to craft a legion's worth of tiny Godblinders to kill orcs in Kolgafir. What with it being difficult to transport all the arcane magics that we make here down below. Right. It costs nothing in terms of shifting that amount of power into another plane of existence, but the Archbishop refuses to budge. And wow, they're just going on a rant now. Corlon's been needing to spill this to somebody. Once they start talking about, um, you know, Colgafir and, and the Pandominion and geopolitics um, and the like, like it, it sort of reminds Ulrich of their disdain <laughs> um, for for these higher beings. Um, you know, it started it started more as like casual disinterest. But through the conflict that that we all experienced, um, they they're not a huge fan of the spirits or the gods, really. Um, and so, like hearing all that that talk and stuff, really shifts Ulrich's mood uh, notably. So I'm not finished, child. <laughs> what I would love to do is find a way to rip the arcane history away from the relic in order to charge other weapons with it. And if that damned spear is so important, we can preserve its physicality and use its magic somewhere else. That's actually why Shane is here, says Corlon, uh, pointing over to a red-haired, dwarven-looking exarch. He says that Morden has actually made something, like a siphon or a battery, maybe, to draw and store arcane energy for, that, for later use. And that dragon... Um, pointing at, again, the gold-scaled humanoid, hates the idea, insists that it's not wise to give such a tool to an entity controlled by a single monarch, and refuses to help if it's headed to the Pandominion. And normally I disagree, but this is an incredible opportunity to cripple orcs in their entirety. What monarch are you talking about? The Pandominion monarch. He's talking about making the Pandominion win the war. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm trapped. By directly intervening. Once they're done, would you take back that siphon or just, like, let them run wild? I had not considered taking it back, but add that to my list of potentials. Yeah, I think that that might definitely solve the the issue. Like, if you just... I guess if you're trying to wipe out all orcs on the planet, the, the orcs might not be too happy about that, but... I mean... Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Can I ask why we're wiping out all orcs on the planet? Uh, orc bad. I, I assume because of the history between Corlon and Grumish, right? That's I how mean, you say it, right? I say Grumsh. 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 But whatever. Grumsh. Grumsh. Yeah. Because they want to wipe us out, pretty much. But it doesn't matter if we can take it away, take the battery away from them, because Morden cannot bring the battery that they have to the cusp directly at all. They're teleportation circle has been cordoned off to keep a rogue dwarven kingdom from sneaking in again. Again? They call themselves the Full Forgers. They're eager to get their hands on the schematics of life. Yeah, that tracks too. Cord also makes his dominion in Celestia, and he doesn't see an issue. He's like me and would rather the orcs be pushed back, taking control of the Fortress of Peace for good and protecting the most people in the long run. It's a great idea. But the dragon reports that Bahamut has Kord's movement embargoed, though, and has blocked off all abilities to move the arcane battery around on Celestia. So I've asked them both, uh, Vindrix and Meaddrinker, here to help settle their differences. Perhaps you can help? Uh, I mean, we can give it a shot.
I mean, I mean so, I'll go, but I'm not gonna like it. If you don't, you don't have to go. If you don't want to, it's okay. You can hold the oh, rope. No, you do. You do have to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Grimton! I'm gonna cut in. You have to go. Grimton fully, yeah. fully intends to go, but like, Joe, what happens to people when they die? <laughs> well, yeah, Joe. Divinity school love. That's that's what they call me. Um, according to my MDiv, nobody <laughs> knows. And according to Joe, the humanist with a degree in this shit, nothing. I well, you die and like the life force goes out of your body. The world goes black. You basically uh, cease to exist as an experiencer of the world and everything else kind of just goes on without you. Some people are probably going to be very sad, but most people aren't going to give a damn. So what happens on the cusp when you die? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I just remembered? In Usurp Subversion... Oh, and Corlon uh, was kind of a dude bro? (laughs) Corlon was kind of a dude bro in Usurp Subversion, and Corlon had a thing for the Raven Queen. Yeah, Um, I do remember that. We met a lot of we met a lot I, of gods in the in, thing. In subversion. We the thing I remember most it, about yeah. that about the Raven Queen was the the pun slash euphemism that I think Blake d- uh, developed for for yes. the Raven Queen. Yeah, uh, her, her loyalties. Oh her loyalties yeah, her loyalties, her loyalties yeah. are obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, if I remember right, it was an NPC who had, like, a Raven Queen tattoo yeah. across, like, her, yeah. her chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and they described that, you described that as a means of, like, showing loyalty. <laughs> and then Blake just took, the, like, the phrase loyalties to become synonymous with, like, breasts. Uh, <laughs> and it was a running joke no. the entire time. 